0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: It's There he goes. It's attack.
0: This is Desmond Johnson on the Believe and Carolina Panthers podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network and welcome into a brand new edition of the believe in carolina panthers podcast i am your host Desmond johnson joined by sports Illustrated's skylar callahan got a lot to talk about a lot of moves with the panthers office uh in terms of their staff their coaching staff we'll get into all the hires that you may have missed over the past seven days since the last time we were on little football game broke out in los angeles on sunday called the super bowl we'll uh review our thoughts on that matchup and um Pretty good game between the Rams and the Bengals. Uh, Rams victorious, winning their first uh, their first Super Bowl since 1999. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about the futures for both of those teams as well. And uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the halftime show. For me, I thought it was the, the best halftime show of all time. We'll get Skyler's opinion on that. Uh, it seems to vary online based on uh, your age. So <laughs> we'll see uh, where that falls into play as well. But before we get into all of that stuff, Uh, A quick word from one of our sponsors at Bet Online. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started from football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC right up to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports. That is Bet Online, where the game starts. Um, Skylar, do you want to – let's just dive into the Super Bowl here quick before we go over – we'll finish up the show with the Panthers news and notes and uh, things that they've been doing over the past seven days. But, of course, Super Bowl uh, 56, the Rams victorious 23-20 to over the Cincinnati Bengals. What was the biggest takeaway – from the game itself that you had when it was over um, about this, this matchup, this game and and the two teams going forward?
1: Um, You know, I think it kind of played out how I expected it. You know, I think Cincinnati was, I thought Cincinnati would have a chance to win. We said that the last two weeks, but at the end of the day, you kind of knew that this, this LA team was just better equipped to win in a big game like this. They, they were just the more dominant team defensively. they, They have a lot of playmakers where Cincinnati's got really Jamar Chase. they got a couple of other nice receivers, but I I just don't think that they're they're quite to the level of the Rams just yet. And for Matthew Stafford, he hasn't been in this situation before, but he's been around the game for so long, whereas Joe Burrow is only in year two behind a very bad offensive line. So the one thing that I kind of took away from this is like, Cincinnati, like everyone talks about, oh, Cincinnati will be back. I don't know if that's going to happen. Like, uh, yeah, me either. Yeah, the, the AFC. I mean, we, we've said this before. The AFC is so loaded right now with with really good young quarterback play. When you got Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, I mean, it's going to be hard to get back there. And when you, I, I feel like this kind of just worked out for him because, you know. They, they they were able to get past Tennessee and they they got the episode over Kansas City, but is this is this a team that's really built to do that year in and year out? I don't think so. You know, Kansas City is going to be better. They're going to get back. You know, Buffalo seems like they're ready now. Like, and I think the, even the Ravens—they're just a couple of pieces away from being Super Bowl contenders again. So, I don't know that they're going to be back. But I, I'll say this: I think I think Matthew Stafford's getting a little too much love. Right now, I mean, this, yes, he won the Super Bowl, but everyone's talking about how he's a Hall of Famer and stuff like that. Let's pump the brakes on that. Okay. He had to go to LA to win a ring. And really, I mean, yes, yes, he excelled in that offense, but it's not like he's the reason they won the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. And in terms of which one of these teams is more likely to get back to the Super Bowl, I would lean towards the Rams just because yeah. they have, uh, talent um and most of it's in the prime of its careers whether it's uh uh Jalen ramsey or aaron donald who's actually threatening retirement after eight years in the nfl um at first one oh, yeah when i saw that my eyes kind of got big like whoa but then i thought about it, I was like well actually he's played eight years he's done pretty much everything there is to do as a defensive player in terms of accolades the only know, thing left out there was a ring and he, and he just got that do you want to you know be able to run around with your kids and remember their names and things of that sort. You know, how long is too long? Um, I was trying to think of a player other than Jim Brown who pretty much retired at the peak of their career Um, after winning a Super Bowl. I don't don't know of one. Uh, Barry Sanders comes to mind because he was still, you know, pretty much at the top of his game, but he didn't retire after winning a ring. I, I can't think of anyone. Elway wasn't at the peak of his career. He did walk off. Bettis walked off. But neither one of them were at the peak. They were towards like, I mean, they've been playing much longer. So it's like this would be different if Aaron Donald decides to step away from the game. But honestly, I think it's more of a play towards, uh, you know, if he comes back, he wants more money. Like he wants to be the highest paid player defensively in the league, if not maybe uh, inching towards quarterback numbers, because I think I saw he's like the fourth highest paid defensive player in the league right now or something. But clearly. He's the best defensive player in the league. He pretty much ended that game. (laughs) He pretty much the last two plays was Aaron Donald, just basically wrecking havoc. And uh, we said it last week before the game. Well, I know I did. I'm more worried about the Cincinnati Bengals becoming Dan Marino and the Miami Dolphins or Cam Newton and the 2015 Panthers, where when that game ended and they lost to the Broncos, what was the pretty much the message out there amongst the media? Oh, the Panthers are going to be back. They're building a dynasty. They got a five-year window. Uh, And the same thing. Didn't have an offensive line. Didn't protect Cam Newton. Had some room to grow, but they the next couple of years were basically sputtering because of injury uh, to, to key players. And once that starts to happen, I mean, you can't really reverse it. And I'm, I'm more worried with, uh, Cincinnati being able to go out and do the right thing, which is to build an offensive line for Joe Burrow. Um, they've got the skill players, they've got the defensive guys. They, they're kind of in situation like the Panthers, except they just, they have a guy quarterback and that's the main difference that they can rally behind the Panthers didn't. But if you took Joe Burrow off of the Bengals, how much difference is there between the Bengals and the Panthers in terms of personnel?
1: Yeah. I mean, w- when you look at these two, I mean, really, there is a lot of similarities. I mean, when you look at the playmakers, I mean, you probably say Carolina's a better running back, even though Joe Mixon's very good. Chris yeah, be- healthy over
0: Mixon, yeah, anything. Yeah, so. Now Jamar
1: Chase is probably better than DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, but
0: it's not like DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson are like terrible. You know what I mean? Right. Both I mean, DJ course had three thousand yard receiving years, uh, his mm-hmm. first three years in the league. So I mean, and, yeah,
1: it's he's a that he's had with the over those three years, so do yeah. with an actual quarterback. The defense, I'd probably lean towards Carolina, and really, I think just the only difference is is the quarterback play. And people may say, "Well, you know, Zach Taylor's a much better coach than Matt Rule." I mean, is he really? <laughs> like, he got a superstar quarterback before he got it. Before he got Joe Burrow, he was what seven and twenty six. So that just goes to show you how much a quarterback can make a coach or good make how good it'll make a coach look if Matt Rule goes out there and just kills it with either whoever they draft at number 6 or via free agency or trade with the quarterback position and they get a superstar like a Joe Burrow I guarantee you this is probably going to be the same thing you know what I mean like this is going to be a team that's much better competing for the playoffs maybe more so I just I think I think a lot of it just comes down to if the Panthers can get the quarterback position right, this will be a competitive team. There's no question, that, a doubt about it because they have the pieces everywhere else.
0: And all really, all I have to do is go back and look at the two Super Bowl teams the Panthers had: 2003, 2015. What what was the main ingredient for both of them? They were settled at the quarterback position. You know, like what would Ron Rivera's head coaching career look like if he hadn't drafted Cam Newton number one overall in 2011? Like it's it's all about having that guy and Matt rule hasn't, he hasn't found that guy. I think he thought he might've found it in Sam Darnold, but clearly I don't think that's going to be the case. And I'm hoping rule has hopped off of that train and realizes he needs to find his guy. Like he needs a guy, which is why I'm kind of, I'm leaning towards Malik Willis from uh, Liberty actually, as each day goes by, he just seems intriguing to bring in It'd be raw. Yes. But I don't know. Like there's nobody in this quarterback, Well, in this draft that plays quarterback, that really excites me. Although I am starting to see a whole lot of smoke around uh, Kenny Pickett coming to Carolina with the sixth pick. Um, Interesting you say that because I'm, I actually just received the text while
1: we're on the show. And one of my my news, (laughs) yeah, one of my media, uh, I guess you could say, friends in the media from the Pittsburgh area, covers the Steelers and stuff. He just texted me and said, "From everything I've heard, you're getting Penny, Kenny Pickett rule loves him. So there you go. Let, I'm I'm not sure if if that's going to happen, but let's I just mean, say
0: that there's there's
1: probably a pretty good chance.
0: I so, mean, look at all the all the 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 smoke I was talking about. Uh, he's, he played at Pitt. Uh, David Tepper is a huge donor to the University of Pittsburgh. Yep. Um, he's from that area, so is Tepper. Uh, the only thing would have been if rule didn't like him or whatnot. But if we're hearing that rule actually likes him, I don't think Pickett will get he'll get chosen before the sixth pick of the draft. He's gonna be sitting there. Um, I mean, you could do much worse. He was the ACC, you know, player of the year, and uh, he was a Heisman candidate, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, yeah, so. I mean, you could do much worse. I'm a little concerned about the size of my man's hands. Uh, <laughs> they, are, they are very minute. Uh, he wears double gloves, which I've never heard of before for for quarterback. But uh, hey, if he gets
1: the job done, I mean, yeah, if he gets the I, job I mean, done, like everyone has said with the uh, the offensive line stuff, like uh, where Sean Slater is, sh- you know, short arms, well, it works.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it might I'm be a little close.
1: different with quarterback because again, you're handling the ball. But who knows?
0: I, I wouldn't be mad at, at going after Pickett. Um, I know they need someone. He needs someone. That's what this is. This, the whole Bengals run to the Super Bowl, the main takeaway I took from it was that, okay, Zach Taylor found his guy, and he already had pieces around, but once he had his guy in place that this team was going to follow behind, the Bengals kind of rode a wave. And I could, the Panthers, the two times they've gone to the Super Bowl, the same thing has happened, whether in 03 with Jake DeLome coming off the bench and taking the the starting role from Rodney Pete at halftime of game one. And that team just rolled from that point forward and probably saved John Fox's job, to be honest, at that point, uh, or 2015, where up and down, up and down, up and down every other year, the Panthers would win, then lose, then win, then lose. And at the end of the 2014 season, that was the year where uh, Kim flipped his truck coming off the the, uh, the turnpike of the highway or whatever near the stadium uh, missed the game, came back, they ran off like four straight games, and it kind of set off the next year for 2015. But they knew who they had at quarterback. There was no doubt Cam was at the peak of his powers at that point. And uh, it, it, honestly, it bought Ron Rivera more time and an extension and everything else that came along with it. But that's the key. You got to have that guy uh, at quarterback. The Rams, Sean McVay, he realized Jared Goff wasn't going to be that guy. So they, they threw even more chips on the table that we didn't even know they had to go get his guy and you know kudos to the rams they put everything in the middle of the table and basically said this is the year we got to do it right now and they finished the job so i mean the rams i think would be better equipped than the Bengals to get back but i don't know if the rams are gonna be able to hold on to some of these pieces like von miller uh odell beckham jr who i thought was on his way to winning the the game mvp award when he got hurt uh he was playing really well felt really bad uh, for him because the, the narrative around him, he was kind of turning that around and then he ends up tearing his ACL. But uh th- the Rams are in a tough division in the NFC West. Um, the 49ers scared a lot of teams this year. Seattle's going to be poking around. Then you have this curious case with the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray um, where some stuff's starting to leak out where uh, I don't think the Cardinals will put Murray up on the trading block. But is that something you would entertain a Kyler Murray oh, trade to man. Carolina? If that uh, <laughs> it's something we got to address. It's going to eventually get popped up on uh, I'm, <laughs> not already on Twitter, but if, not- <laughs> if Jimmy G
1: had already had some of these rumors floating out there about you know the connections with him and the Panthers, I mean, why not Kyler Murray? I mean, yeah. let's be honest, I I would never trade for for Jimmy Garoppolo because he's he's closer to thirty years old. He's never been an elite quarterback, anyways. Mm-hmm. So you might as well just stay with Sandar if that's the point. But if you're if we're talking Kyler Murray, I mean, I hate to mortgage the future. I really do. But when you have a chance to bring in a very good quarterback, I don't know if Kyler Murray's like. I don't, I wouldn't say he's a top five, top eight quarterback yet. I think he's certainly top ten, but he's he's got the the potential to be even better. So I would I would definitely make a move for him. Now, obviously you're going to have to give up multiple picks for him, probably maybe even a, a star player, but
0: yeah, I, I saw a mock where it was like, they'd have to give up, uh, this year's first round pick next year's first round pick a second, uh, Derek Brown and and something else, um, like a mid round pick for Kyler. Um, and I was like, that's a lot of stuff <laughs> to come up for Kyler Murray. Um, I don't know. I, I've never been a fan of the small quarterbacks, uh, a friend of mine uh, on my weekend show mentioned uh, this past week that Kyler Murray is a sober Johnny Manziel. <laughs> I was like, you know, I have compared their running style because like they're so little that their, their hands are kind of flopping around or running or whatever. Um, I don't know. I, I prefer the, 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 the bigger quarterback. I'm more worried about them getting just blasted on any given play uh, although Kyler Murray, with the baseball background, he's really good about sliding, avoiding contact. I think Robert Griffin the kind of taught all these running quarterbacks, uh, you know, don't take every hit. Like it's going to shorten your career uh, considerably if you if you do that. Um, back to the Super Bowl. Uh, most of the conversation though that I saw last uh, yesterday when I got on uh, social media, you know, I, I, I get around on social media and I bump into arguments and poke people and <laughs> figure out what's going on, where the vibe of everything is it felt like more people were talking about the halftime show than the actual game itself and it felt like that going into the game too um i'm 44 i grew up in the 90s i graduated from high school in 1996 from college in 03 so like that halftime show was for me you know like <laughs> that that whole stage everybody that was up there um it was just crazy to me uh I, me personally i think it was the gr- the greatest halftime show of all time and part of it's because you could hear everything like people don't understand um, how anal Dr. Dre is about audio and how it sounds and like the crispness of it. And like you could hear that might've been the best sounding halftime show in my living room that I can think of. Like pretty much every artist like sounded great. They had a live band. Uh, it was set up tight so that they were moving from spot to spot. There were, I didn't see any issues whatsoever. They had all the hot spots in terms of the songs you expected them to do uh the main argument i see is that uh prince was better and i'll uh i'll let you have the floor here skylar w- what would you say is the greatest halftime performance of 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 all time because that's the debate right now it's really more along the lines of was that better than the prince performance in miami in the rain or is there another one out there the, um, prince. the prince one was really really
1: good I, I i can't really think of another one that would that would even be in the conversation, to be honest. I, I think yeah, it's clearly uh, these two. Maybe. People
0: caught up uh, Beyonce's performance a couple years ago. Uh, in New Orleans yeah. that basically shut down the, the Superdome's electricity <laughs> after she was done. There was a delay. Was it uh, Michael Jackson to- one of them? Uh, Michael Jackson actually was the very first true music performer. Uh, That's fun, right. Fun fact, there used to not be a halftime performance at the Super Bowl. They would just invite like college bands and stuff to go in there and do marching band stuff and uh 1993 Michael Jackson offered to do the halftime show uh another fun fact these acts don't get paid to do the show Dr. Dre paid his own money to produce that that show on Sunday yeah i didn't know
1: that until this weekend
0: yeah yeah so i mean i mean it's not like Dr. Dre didn't got it i mean they him and Jimmy Iovine sold beats and he's close to a billionaire <laughs> at this point but uh you could tell just the the details out there that the dude was on top of everything Michael Jackson's performance had, it was 93. So, I mean, we're talking over, almost 30 years ago or over 30 years ago, close to it. I remember there was there were kids with, like, signs, like, in the field, and they would flip them, and they would change to different words and stuff. So, when you saw it from above, it was pretty cool. Um, Beyonce's thing, uh, she performed Formation. Uh, I, don't, I don't know why I can't remember Beyonce's that much. I,
1: it, I, don't, I, don't, see, really, I don't really remember. Read-
0: A lot of halftime shows. (laughs) That's my point. Because I'm like, everyone's like, oh, no, Prince was better. Prince was better. And I'm like, can you name anything else that happened in that performance with Prince besides him playing Purple Rain on an electric guitar in the rain at the very end? That's the thing everyone remembers. That's what I remember. That's why I made it the best for me. I was like, oh, my Lord, this dude's going to (laughs) die playing Purple Rain at the Super Bowl. Um, But no one else can name anything else that happened in that performance. People are going to be talking about this halftime performance on Sunday for ever like there's little things all throughout it uh there were just super cool um they even had me at the point thinking they were going to pull the Tupac hologram out when he started when Dre started playing I ain't you on the piano because that was the rumor that they were going to use that Tupac hologram they used at Coachella or whatever a couple years ago and he started playing out I was like oh they're going to actually do the Tupac hologram and then they kind of swerved right and went into uh still DRE but I thought it was the best one. Um, someone mentioned Bruno Mars from a couple of years ago. I can't even remember it. I can't remember what he did. His
1: wasn't bad. I think. I don't know. I think this one was definitely pretty good. I mean, at least for me, like, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, like I, I, I'm very into '90s, early 2000s rap hip hop because, like, that. I don't know why. Like, I was born in '96, but. A lot of the music I listen to even today is still like the 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 Eminem, Dr. Mm-hmm. Dre, Snoop Dogg stuff like I don't really mess with this new version of rap where I can't understand what they're saying.
0: It all sounds <laughs> the same. I mean, I feel like yeah. I'm about to call my old man rant, but uh, <laughs> it's all auto tuned out. The beats are really thin sounding. Um, every,
1: every, like every 21 Savage song sounds the exact same. Every yeah. Black song sounds
0: the exact same. Like, yeah. and, no, guys, and, and, and no one's checking. them. like, when I grew up, like if you were sounding like everybody else, you were called a biter and nobody bought your stuff. You know right. what I mean? Like you were copying people. The whole thing was about being authentic and being different. And that's what would attract people to you. Like that's a Missy Elliott, you know, on Sunday. Right. Yeah. And, that, and every single artist that was up there on Sunday night, was different. And plus, another thing too to consider, it was about 275 million albums sold <laughs> up there between Dre. Eminem alone is the highest selling rap artist of all time. I think he sold like 150 million rap albums since he came out. Uh, Snoop was up there, Kendrick Lamar, uh, 50 Cent's uh, guest appearance that nobody knew was going to happen. Uh, I'm not cool with the fat shaming of 50 Cent online, although he started to, to chime in on it himself on Instagram. It's all good fun. But we rewatched it last night, me and my wife. And uh, we were watching it and we were like, wait a minute. He's not even fat. Like, he's actually really like, built. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, look, he was thinking he was going to play in the game on Sunday, not perform at it um, like a fullback out there. But all in all, I thought it, I thought it was fun. That was the highlight of the night for me, which is different. The halftime show. The commercials were great. Um It was just good. It was good. It was a good way to end the NFL season. Like, everybody had a ball. And now we've got six months or so before we get some some football again. But uh, we'll try to keep you guys entertained as much as we can. There's all kinds of stuff that's going to be going on. Free agency. The draft's going to be happening in about – when is the draft? March? I think it's –
1: Gosh, you get me off. Off. Uh, <laughs> like, I think it's April, but I think it's like
0: early April. I think.
1: And then, like right after that, we have rookie minicamp, then OTAs. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's gonna start. It seems like so far away. And this is what I was telling my fiancee day. She's like, you know, doesn't it feel like so long until football games? Like, well, for for me, not really, because we've got, you know, free agency is gonna start here in a month, exactly yeah. a month. And we've got the draft right after that. Well, really the, the, the combines here in like two weeks. So
0: everything like never stops. It never yeah. ends.
1: <laughs> we get, like a, we get like a 10 to 15 day window in, in middle July. And then it's, it's <laughs> back. Yeah. <here> and-
0: <laughs> I know that's usually a time where like, uh, I'll bring on like writer, beat writers and things like that. Or I'll go find Joe person from the athletic to do a segment And I know in July, like right before minicamp starts to just not bother any of them. They're off on boats and they're they're trying to get it in because they're about to go through this gauntlet again. So I always try to grab them right before or right after Um, the we'll move. Now, of course, this is the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. Uh, You can catch previous episodes on the Believe podcast network. We're going to get into some Panther news here because there was uh, a lot of hirings along the staff. We'll talk about that. And Sam Mills being finally admitted into the Hall of Fame here as we uh, wrap up this episode this week. But first, a word from NordVPN. What's more important than peace of mind? Nothing. And that's what NordVPN is here for, to give you the peace of mind while you're online. And with all the threats that you face today on the Internet, it's more important than ever to be sure you have the best VPN you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all of your computers and devices, no matter the operating system. With Nord's VPN's unlimited bandwidth, you never have to worry about a slow connection either, and plans start at under $4 a month. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com believe, or use the code believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get up to seventy percent off of your NordVPN plan, plus one additional month for free. It's also risk-free with Nord's thirty-day money-back guarantee. I'm gonna have to hop on that myself. So that's NordVPN. Uh, use the Believe deal and save some money uh, on your VPN service here. The we didn't get a chance to talk about it last week. It happened like right after we recorded uh, last week. But um, the Panthers brought in a familiar face to the defensive coaching staff last week, hiring former assistant Steve Wilkes bringing him back for a second stint. He's actually from Charlotte. He graduated from West Charlotte High School, uh, went to Appalachian State for college. So he's got a lot of deep roots here in the state of North Carolina. Um, played some arena league in the 90s. Got a, got a start as a coach at Johnson C. Smith in Charlotte in 95. Uh, was on, the, on Ron Rivera's coaching staff in 2012 as a defensive back coach and also served as an assistant head coach uh, from 2015 to 2017 with Rivera and defensive coordinator, in 2017 and i was trying to think i think if i remember it correctly um uh, what's the well mine just went blank who the bills uh, head coach um mcdermott mcdermott sean mcdermott he was the defensive coordinator here under rivera um both of them from the the andy tree. and mcdermott took the buffalo job and in, in 2017 and and when he did that they promoted wilkes to defensive coordinator in 2017 I want to say the defense played pretty damn well in 2017. The Panthers were a playoff team that year. Loss of the Saints in the wild card, if I remember correctly. I think it was the last true healthy season that Cam Newton had in a Panther uniform, uh, thinking back on it. Uh, Wilkes did such a good job with the defense. He left and took the head coaching job for the Arizona Cardinals in 2018, but he was let go after one year. Um, Became the Browns defensive coordinator in 2019, and then he spent last year as the D.C. at the University of Missouri. Um, Your thoughts, Skylar, on bringing back Steve Wilkes, because one of the bright spots of that defense are are the sheer amount of cornerbacks that are back there. What are your thoughts with uh, Steve Wilkes and the guys that we have back there or could have back there coming back for 2022? Uh, It kind of, you know, makes my mouth water thinking about, you know, pairing him up with, granted, there's going to be a lot of movement, but if he's back, Dante Jackson or... uh, cj henderson and getting him you know up to speed or 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 re-signing stephon gilmore um what are your thoughts here with the steve hire? i love
1: it i mean i i love it for many reasons because it's going to give these younger corners like jc horn keith taylor stanley thomas oliver uh really someone that has had a lot of success in this league to kind of teach them the ropes and and really show them how to develop and like, a guy like J.C. Horn, I mean, he played in parts of three games last year. But he was so good in those three games. I, I think I could be wrong. But I thought the stat was he had only gave up one catch
0: in those three games. I think that's right, yeah. And I, I didn't even mention J.C. Horn <laughs> in those I almost <laughs> forgot we had him. Wow. And, and and also Troy Pride, which a
1: lot of people forget, too, because he mm-hmm. was out the entire season. So mm-hmm. they've got uh, an abundance of corners, which is kind of why I wouldn't be shocked if they don't re-sign Stephon Gilmore or Dante Jackson. Well, I mean they're gonna—I think they're gonna sign one of the two, but I think yeah. they'll take the cheaper option. I don't know which one that'll be because it might, I mean, heck, it might be Stephon Gilmore because he's older, and Dante Jackson is kind of entering the prime of his career, so maybe he's looking for a four-year deal. I don't know if if the Panthers would be willing to do that, but.
0: Which one? Which one would you rather have between the two right now at this moment between Gilmore and Jackson?
1: I honestly, I think I would rather take Gilmore just because he he shuts down one side of the field automatically. Like you know that's going to happen. Dante Jackson had a really good year, but he's had troubles with injuries. He's a little inconsistent at times. I don't think you're going to get that with Stephon Gilmore. And the other thing is you've got J.C. Horn, C.J. Henderson, Troy pride, you know all these guys these these young corners in their first or second year in the league like it it just makes sense to have one one older guy in that group and you also have AJ Boyer too
0: who's Oh the, yeah under yeah man <laughs>
1: contract the next year so then we don't even have to worry about him I would I, I would rather them bring back Gilmore along with Boyer and then you got JC Horn and all those other corner, young younger guys it just makes more sense to me than to go with another younger corner and let the veteran walk. But I love it for that reason. And I also love it for the reason that it's going to help out Matt rule, because it's another guy that has called defensive plays in this league. He's been a head coach in this league. And that's what this staff really needed was an influx or an infusion of experienced guys. And you look up and down these hires. I mean, it's a lot of years of experience. I mean, Hell, Paul Pasqualoni, the the new defensive line coach, he's like seventy two years old. He's been coaching fifty years. So
0: I love it. I love. Yeah. This is what I think he needed to begin with. You can't just come in and rebuild Baylor, you know, in the NFL. Like you can't just transport Temple guys and expect to have success in, in NFL. Uh, and it took him two seasons to kind of figure that out. But I'm glad that better. It late. Almost, go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: Better late than never.
0: Yeah. I I mean, I was just gonna say, I don't know if maybe David Tepper pulled him off to the side. I was like, Hey man, you need to like, uh, (laughs) you need to like reevaluate who you have on your coaching staff going into the next year. Cause it does seem kind of abrupt or maybe he just saw it at the end of the year. It's like, you know what? I got to change some things around here to keep my job. Um, I will say to Matt Rule's defense, he's never once looked like he's been worried about losing his job. That's the one thing uh, that he's been kind of just, you know, blinders on full steam ahead. He has never struck me as a type that's been worried about losing his job throughout all of this. So,
1: um, no, And I
0: think even when you go and, and look at these
1: hires that he's made, and I, and I did an article on it. If you haven't checked it out yet, go on to, to Sports Illustrated Panthers and you'll find it somewhere in the last week or so, um, that the hires that he's made, considering the circumstances, like are very impressive because many people would think, a coach on the hot seat won't be able to make these kind of huge changes without, you know, it being, you know, guys that have either less experience or their guys are in coordinating roles that have never been in a coordinating role. He's getting four guys that have been a head coach at some point in time. Ben McAdoo was with the Giants. Pascaloni was a head coach at Syracuse and Connecticut, and he was also a defense coordinator for a long time in the NFL. Steve Wilkes had one year of uh, head coaching experience in Arizona, which you talked touched on, and then Chris Tabor, the special, the new special teams coach, he he did he wasn't necessarily a head coach, but he did be he was the interim head coach for I think the Bears for a game. So yeah, yeah, it every little bit helps. And it, and and the one I really like the most, and I think you you do too, is James Camp, and the offensive line coach. This dude yes. is he's fun. He's a character.
0: They, um, I'm look, I'm just going, I didn't realize he literally almost replaced the whole staff. I'm sitting there going through like yeah. all the changes of D- the coach that I, that I wasn't really aware of. I knew they did a little bit here and there, but yeah, he kind of revamped the whole staff other than, uh, snow, a defensive coordinator. Yes. Yeah, snow. Um,
1: let's see The uh, Jeff Nixon's back. They moved, uh, so the tight ends coach, Brian Angelico, he's going to look for jobs elsewhere. And so they're moving the, one of the defensive assistants, Kevin Gilbride over That's to
0: t- that, coach I, uh, that. So that was one of the, um, so there's three offensive hires that round out the staff uh, that came through yesterday. Um, and all three of them seem to have some sort of relationship with Ben McAdoo, Kevin Gilbride, the tight ends coach, like Skyler just mentioned. Uh, he, he worked on the defensive side last year, but he coached tight ends for the giants with McAdoo when he was the offensive coordinator and the head coach there. So there's your connection there. Um he also worked on the temple staff with Matt rule when he was an assistant, no seven through 09. So he's got connections through both of them that way. Uh, the Panthers hired Joe Daly as wide receivers coach. He was the, he was a former uh, UNC quarterback in college and a receiver. Uh spent the last two years coaching wide receivers at Boston college. He's worked at New Mexico, had seven years at Liberty. Um, he has played for and coached under veteran assistant Frank Signetti, who was Ben McAdoo's quarterback coach with the Giants. Uh, and then the Panthers added Robert Kugler as an assistant offensive line coach. Um, I'm trying to find a connection here for him. He's from Purdue. I think he may have worked with Campin, if I remember correctly. Okay, he says he's the longtime coach. He's the son of longtime coach Sean Kugler, who's now the offensive line coach and run game coordinator for the Cardinals. Uh, and yes, he. Uh, jo- uh, he t- coached at Texas, El Paso, Washington app state before joining new Panthers line coach, James Campen with the Texans last year. So, um, so yeah, all of them are kind of interconnected with each other. Um, you mentioned Paul Pasqualoni uh, has been added to be the, def- the defensive line coach. Uh, he was, he's 72 years old. He was the head coach at Syracuse for 14 years. Uh, he's got 40 years of coaching experience, 10 of them in the NFL, He's worked for the Cowboys. He's worked uh, the line in Houston and Chicago. He was the defensive coordinator in Miami and Detroit. It's uh, uh, it <laughs> actually really good
1: when he was the head coach there.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's like it, it's they, they've gone in and just, like, grabbed all these dudes. Chris Tabor from the Bears is going to be the special teams coach. Uh, James Camp is coaching the offensive line. He's from the Packers. Uh, the Packers typically always have a really good offensive line, so that's uh, very intriguing uh, there. Um it just uh, I I f- I feel happy that Matt Rule wasn't stubborn enough to think he can continue to do the same things he was doing before and 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 get different results like he seems willing to to change things around I guess uh and he needed some experience and lord knows he put that on here <laughs> there's a there's a whole lot of experience on the staff now where it's almost like, okay, if something happens to mid midseason, which one of these dudes is going to take over? I mean, there's probably four or five guys you
1: can look at. I mean, yeah, Chris that's Tabor, nice. potentially. I, that that's Chris Tabor could be a candidate because they, they usually like to do the special teams. That way the, the coordinators can both kind of still do their thing. Yeah. Steve
0: Wilkes, mean, would be Wilkes would be up incredible if that happened. I'm not wishing, you know, Matt Rule to have a bad <laughs> half season so we can go on and get Steve Wilkes in here, but – Um, I'm hoping all this works out. Like I, I really, we were so optimistic at the beginning of the year, just looking at the roster and then the start got us even more optimistic. And I think we got beat down from just not just losing, but the way they were losing games where it still felt like they were competing. They just, it felt like they just didn't have enough. I don't know, like enough instruction during the week to be completely prepared the way they should be, I guess. And I'm hoping that these coaching hires plus another strong draft, they've had two strong drafts in a row. And if they can get a third strong draft in here and and finish building the base of this of this uh, program, the NFC South is a hot mess. Like right now, Tom Brady is retired. Who knows what the Falcons are doing? Sean Payton's gone from the Saints, so that's about to fall apart at least for a year or two. Like this would be the time. Like I mean, would it be crazy if the Panthers went from they didn't finish last in the uh, division, did they? no yeah. I think, did Atlanta Atlanta finished ahead of us yeah I think they did Oof. well I mean the past few times we've been to the Super Bowl it was from worst to first in our division so maybe that's a good thing um but no I, I do feel like uh Carolina if you look at all the teams out there that were last place in their division who would you pick to be the one that could move up and do a Bengals just quick ascent up the thing I'd say it's Carolina off their defense um off their skill position players on offense if McCaffrey can stay on the field and whatever they do at quarterback, if they nail this quarterback pick and get it right and get some guys in here to play offensive line, I don't see any reason why Carolina can't contend for a playoff spot next year if all this stuff works out, you know, with the coaches and everything else. Yeah. I mean, what would
1: be very ideal is if they do happen to go with quarterback at eight or excuse me, six, let's say they draft Kenny Pickett and you're bringing Sam Darnold back, you make some free agent moves on the offensive line the most ideal thing would be that the offensive line plays dramatically improved. Sam Darnold plays well enough to to allow Kenny Pickett to, to not have to start immediately. And then maybe a month or so into the season, Kenny Pickett's ready, takes over the job, and they're fighting for a playoff spot down the stretch. If they go nine and eight, I don't think that's a fireable offense for Matt Rule,
0: especially as yeah.
1: a rookie quarterback.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. And plus, to be honest, the past three or four years, first round quarterbacks that are selecting the draft, they don't really get to sit. You know what I mean? Like they get thrown out there. Uh, they
1: really, sat much, and they don't have a lot of success outside of Joe Burrow or Justin. Yeah. Burrow. But
0: I mean, I mean, if you go back further, Cam Cam started his first uh, regular season game onward and and set some records in it. But that's a blip. You know, that was twenty eleven. I'm trying to think of someone else. Well. I don't know. Lamar Jackson started from the beginning, didn't he? I know I, Mahomes I, sat a year. I believe. Yeah, I think Lamar
1: did start right away. But I mean, like if you just go back to, I guess the last couple of drafts, like Trevor Lawrence wasn't very good this year. But he was on a bad team. Zach yeah. Wilson wasn't very great. Trey Lance didn't even hardly play. Justin Fields wasn't that great. Mac Jones went to perfect situation.
0: Yeah.
1: And last year, you know, Tua's kind of eh. Jordan Love hasn't played and then the year before you got Daniel Jones who really isn't good Dwayne Haskins so I mean it's not like these first round picks are gonna 100% get you the right guy that's the most that that's the most gambling part about it because when if you go with an offensive tackle there's a pretty good chance you're going to nail that pick like yeah,
0: yeah.
1: It, it's it's a it's a safer pick whereas the quarterback pick is a little bit more risky which I think that's what they got to be careful of when they do evaluate these quarterbacks cuz yeah, Malik Willis. He may have all the potential in the world, but if if you're Matt Rule, are you going to take a guy that has a lot of potential but may take a year or two to develop, knowing that
0: the owners should not be there, <laughs> you, you might not be there to develop him, um, right. <laughs> You know, if you draft a guy like that, um, I, I, I'm mm, I was leaning towards Willis, but if I had to, if I had to pick between Pickett and Willis, I would pick Pickett. Uh, he just seems more established. Comes from a bigger program. Played. Harder competition
1: uh, think, elevated
0: his game, you
1: know. And I think too, if it, when they have these conversations, I know David Tepper tries to stay out of the football end of it, but I think it, before the draft happens and before free agency happens, Matt Rule and David Tepper need to have a sit down and, and really understand where they're heading into next year, because Matt Rule needs to under like he needs to get, to get I guess confirmation from David Tepper that hey. If I believe Malik Willis is is the quarterback of the future, but he's probably not going to be ready this year, I need to know that before I make a decision because I don't want to make a, a rash decision just trying to save my job. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I think yeah. he needs to get that assurance from David Tepper because if he gets that, then, yeah, he may take a chance on Malik Willis. But if he doesn't, he may go, well, I'm going to go take Kenny Pickett because I, I think he's more polished. But.
0: I'm intrigued. Uh, I the when Pickett did that, that run, uh, <laughs> in the ACC championship, yeah, when he faked slid, um, that's when that's when he really got on my radar. I was like, you know what, why hasn't anyone tried that before? Like, no one had even thought of doing it until Pickett did it. And even then, I think he kind of just did it, uh, you know, spur of the moment. It'll never happen again. Like, now the right. refs are looking for it. I think there's a rule for, there's it, for it, yeah, to, the Pickett rule, but uh, The fact that he had the wherewithal to even think to do that kind of put him on my radar. And then I was like, you know what? dude's having a great year. Clearly the best quarterback in the ACC, I think, this past year, uh, other than the dude over at uh, Wake Forest that was killing it, and Sam Howell um, at Carolina. But Pickett, again, he was a Heisman candidate uh, this past year, had a great senior year, came back for it. Uh, I think he's going to go in the top 10. and. He's getting linked to Carolina, so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll continue to follow that through the offseason as I'm sure there'll be plenty uh, more smoke uh, with that, and um, we'll just kind of see where that goes. Uh, real quick before we get out of here, would be um, uh, remiss if we didn't get a chance to mention uh, linebacker Sam Mills, Panthers uh, famous linebacker Sam Mills, finally gets inducted into the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He's part of an eight-member class uh, that will be inducted during uh, Hall of Fame weekend Uh, In August of 2022 um, in Canton, I've I've been to the football Hall of Fame before. I have relatives in Cleveland, so it's right there on 77 in Canton when you're driving up. Uh, It's a really cool spot. I would love to go back. It's been about five years since I've been there. Um, It's crazy, though, because the stadium is right beside the Hall of Fame on the highway. And when you're driving by, the stadium looks way bigger on television than what it actually is. Like when you drive by it, it looks like a little miniature It's a high school stadium. Uh, That's what they mainly use it for. And it kind of looks like one that's just been built upwards as opposed to out. So when you drive by, you kind of get taken aback by how small the actual stadium is. And they've got like Cowboys and the Steelers and they're playing on a Sunday night for the Hall of Fame game or whatever. But uh, it's a really cool spot. Uh, This was Mills third and final year of eligibility as a modern candidate. Uh, This class uh, has Jaguars offensive tackle Tony Baselli. Patriots defensive end Richard Seymour, Packers safety Leroy Butler, 49ers defensive tackle Bryant Young, also uh, Dick Vermill, who coached the Eagles, the Rams, and the Chiefs, uh, officiating pioneer Art McNally, and former Raiders receiver Cliff Branch uh, got in from the senior committee. Um, A lot of the Panther players consider Sam Mills the greatest Panther ever. Uh, The standard he set, uh he's the only one with a statue out there uh in front of the, was it the north gate i believe it is uh there's a there's a reason why sam mills has a statue out in front of uh, bank of america stadium um the whole keep pounding mantra came from him as he was battling cancer and still coaching on the panther staff during the 2003 super bowl run um one of the th- things that made me fall in love with carolina from day 1 was him on that defense that early defense in 95 with uh, him and uh lamar lathan and kevin green on the ends um uh, my man eric davis uh who's been on a couple of times uh playing cornerback back there they have a little defensive squad that was actually pretty nasty the second year of existence for the panthers and uh, got them all the way to the nfc championship game they lost to brett Favre and the, the green bay packers in green bay uh in january so no no shame there but Um, you want to give any thoughts on Sam Mills making the hall of fame in his final year of eligibility, he'll become the first Carolina Panther. Well, no, not the first Kevin greens in and Kevin green kind of gets considered a Panther, but Mills really, when you think of Sam Mills now, I think a lot of people think of the Carolina Panthers when they mention that name. So he's really kind of the first Panther that'll be getting into the hall of fame.
1: Yeah. I think it was long overdue. Um, I I was a little concerned that he wasn't going to get the call. For some yeah. reason, I just was like, eh, I don't know, but uh, <clears throat> very happy for him and his family. Wish he could have been here to to be a part of it. Um, that's the unfortunate thing about it. But you know, I think really when when you look back at it, you know, he he only spent what three years in Carolina, but yeah. the the three years that he spent here as a player were just meant so much to this this city and this organization that. It his his legacy still lives on for for you know now. That's that's the biggest reason why I think he's considered by 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 some as the greatest Panther ever because he's still remembered today. And he, he last time he played in, for the Panthers was gosh ever what twenty 90, years ago in nineteen ninety eight. I believe it was his yeah. last year. So, so I mean, I, I think there's there could be a strong debate for the the greatest Panther ever. I think you could you could lump in Luke Kuechly. I think you could lump in Cam. I think you can lump in a, a lot of different people. Steve Smith, mm-hmm. but that's really not my place. I, I don't I don't really have a, a ranking for who, who who's the greatest of all time in in terms of franchise history. But there's no question that, about it. He was he was definitely one of the best.
0: We'll we'll end it with this quote from Steve Smith, uh, who got a chance to talk on NFL Network after it was announced that Sam was going in. Ah, uh, quoting Steve. Sam Mills is the greatest Panther ever. Simply put, he established the standard for everything that came here after him. He did that on the field with the way he played, and obviously made the same kind of impact off the field. Look at his journey; he made an impact everywhere he went. Um, I think that's a good way to to put that there. Smithy's got actually. This was first year of eligibility for Steve Smith um, to get on, and didn't get through. I didn't think Steve was going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer anyway, so it wasn't really. That much of a shock, but I would. There's a logjam of wide receivers trying to get into the Hall of Fame, so it might be a minute before uh Steve Smith gets in. Although I do think he'll get in, I think he's top 10 in yards over uh, like overall, um, and some other stuff too. So, uh, Triple Crown winner, I, I think Smith will get in. The one guaranteed first ballot Hall of Famer the Panthers have is Julius Peppers, and that'll be when did he retire last year? three years or 18 i think so i think yeah i think i want to say it was because he wasn't here in 2019 he had already retired yeah i think it was 2018 so actually it would be uh, the end of this upcoming season he would be eligible it was five year wait i believe if i'm not mistaken yeah. so so we might have uh our first first ballot hall of famer and julius peppers around this time next year but well, we'll see. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure Pep's gonna get in. I think he's like top three all time in sacks or something. I think uh, I think Bruce Smith and Wedgie, Reggie White are only two that have more uh, than him. So uh pretty sure he's gonna get in. But um well, that's gonna be it for today or for this week's episode of the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. You can catch up on the daily workings of the Carolina Panthers with Skylar Callahan uh, on Sports Illustrated. Uh, go to Twitter at Callahan underscore. You can catch up on the latest articles and things that he does. Uh, pretty much daily uh, following the Panthers. And if you're a Charlotte Hornets fan, you should definitely follow him as well. He's also the beat writer for the Charlotte Hornets for SI. Uh, Follow me on Twitter at Dez, D-E-Z underscore 3505 or at Tobacco Radio. And we'll have a brand new episode for you next week. We'll uh, get in some cool stuff here in the off season and keep pounding. Thank you for listening to Believe.